Welcome to Growing Home, the podcast that helps you take care of the place that means the most to you, your home. I'm your host, Terry Therian, alongside your co-host, Len Giddix. Today's conversation is going to be around the spring landscape maintenance and the do's and don'ts as we prepare for the warmer weather. Now, Len, I don't know about you, but I'm not exactly pleased with the weather we're seeing right now. You know, Terry, where's the global warming when you need it? I mean, it seems like it's 29 degrees every morning now and barely gets up to the 60s, which is nice. I'll take 60s, but I got to start. I'm not comfortable getting out before noon. No. No, but it, you know, it is warmer and you know, with the daylight lasting longer, you have yeah. warmer weather in the evening, but man, waking up has been tough. <laughs> well, when you're retired, Terry, you can sleep until eight. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got a ways to go. Yeah, here, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Great. So, you know, as we're preparing for this warmer weather, actually, actually I was looking at the farmer's almanac yesterday. Could be a little bit of a dicey April, maybe yep. some wet snowflakes coming. Yep. And the long-range forecast is saying that, too. I just want to point that out. Yeah. That that almanac is uncannily, well, can be uncannily correct. Yeah. There's definitely some dips in the temps, yeah. especially at night. Um, but what's good, I mean, it is getting warmer. You know, we're seeing the 60s on a regular basis now. And the rain in the spring is good, right? April showers bring May flowers. What do May flowers bring? I'm not sure. Pilgrims. That's Pilgrims. as old oh, as the hills. God. Oh, got it. Darn it. (laughs) Cool. So, you know, now we're early April. The weather's starting to turn. We're getting some warmer temps. Where do do we start? What can we start preparing, uh, you know, this time of the year? Well, there's a a lot of things. There's a number of things that you can do. The thing is, uh, and this is my emphasis, you don't have to do them all in one weekend. Um, I guess being retired for a couple of years now I've gotten to appreciate just doing a little something every day and then and even if you're working okay even if you're working you come home at five six o'clock you still got an hour hour and a half of daylight it's the warmest part of the day just set aside a little project and uh, for instance yesterday I have some walls and I rake the leaves away from the walls you know how they collect and uh ran the uh lawnmower over those leaves and mulched them into my soil uh with the dull blade from last year because I'm going to want to sharpen that blade and uh we can talk about that at another time because that's a whole different process of mowing lawns and how to mow them but I got that one thing done and it was a major everyday little hurdles become the major successes and you're not you're not wasting your weekend slaving and over over your lawn yeah don't landscape saving it all for trying to get it all done at once and hurry like like this sunday i was out in the yard and uh we were working and i finished right at like i think it was like 12 31 o'clock right as that rain came in yep uh, we've done a little bit of stuff during the week and then finally we, uh we ended up pulling out a bunch of grasses and most mm-hmm. bunch of beds on Sunday. But. Well, you know, it's a world of instant gratification. It really is. We want to be, we want to, especially guys, we want to go in, get it done, get it over with, and get on with our lives. Right, right. Uh, I guess retirement has told me some, taught me something different. It doesn't have to get all done at once. You know, it's been quite the chapter for you because, 
you know, last year I would say you were like a rookie retiree, and now I think you're really getting into your shit. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm in. <laughs> cool. So, you know, how are we doing with, you know, what are the conditions we're working in out there, mm-hmm. and what, like, is it too early to get some stuff done, or, or where do we start? No, actually, it's a perfect time to get some stuff done, mm-hmm. and it's a bad time to get other stuff done. Okay. Uh, as a rule of thumb, I always go by your soil, okay? If, if the soil is squishy, um, you don't want to be out walking around on your lawn and your landscape. Uh, if it's hard frozen or mm-hmm. dry, that's just perfect to work, whether, uh, no matter what the temperature is, really. Mm-hmm. There's some things like, let's, let's take mulching, for example. Okay. Okay. Um, y- Mulch, everybody's got mulch out there. Some, and you've got some great deals here at Mackey, so I'm going to take some home today. April is quite the mul- month for mulch deals. Yes. Uh, and uh, mulch, this is a great time to mulch. If you, you can actually do it anytime from you know the middle of winter until now, you want to make sure that you put enough. Mulch does a couple of things. One, it keeps the moisture in the soil. Two, it makes the landscape look good. And it it, it also prevents weeds from coming up, but you got to put enough on to prevent those weeds. So you want three or four inches. You don't want to chintz out on your mulch. You won't have to do it every year in the same bed if you do it that way. Yeah. If you put down an inch just to cover it over and make it look good, you might as well save your money, mm-hmm. okay? Because you're going to be in there every year putting another inch on. Yeah. Uh, in the long run, you'll spend more. And it's not working effectively as a weed preventer and that's right it's not not keeping the moisture in and also the type of mulch that you put down you can get the cheap chopped colored pellet uh, pallets that are very popular out there at a, a seemingly very low price yeah this is you have to realize that this is untreated raw just dried raw wood okay and it breaks down and it breaks down by any bacteria in your soil eating up the nutrients, the fertilizer, the, the nutrients in your soil that would normally go to the shrubs and breaking down the mulch. So what you need is a good cedar mulch, a good bark mulch. It shouldn't, you should get the best price, but you shouldn't chintz on, on the quality of your mulch. Otherwise, it's going to uh, bite you in the butt. Yeah, well, it'll do more, more work for you. And, and, well, definitely. and there's definitely um, mulchers out there, like a natural cedar mulch. That you can get a great price on, yep. um, and that'll be that'll be great because even, you know, that mulch it'll it'll break down over time, and that's yep. actually providing nutrients into the soil. Yep. And, and whatever you do, don't go to the local landscaper and say, "Hey, when you chop down that tree over there, can I have the shavings, the the raw green shavings, and use that for mulch?" That will eat up a lot more of your of your nutrients in the soil just by laying on the surface. Plus, any of the cheap mulches, the hardwood mulches, um, and this this locally chopped up stuff. Yeah. Over the summer, it will it has a tendency to develop a, a, a fungus, so it just doesn't harm anything. But it's called palabolus. Mm-hmm. Palabolus, if you remember, there's a theater group called Palabolus. Palabolus means hat throwing. What it does is it, spore, it forms a spore cap, and it just pops it out. And if you have a white house you're going to have little specks on your house that will never come off because these little capsules are coated with nature's version of super glue. You have to paint over them literally. You cannot scrape them off. Wow. 
So uh, it looks like fly spec on an apple, or I'm sure in the summertime, if you don't have a completely enclosed environment uh, and you have flies coming in, they're going to be attracted to your calculator, the big calculator on your desk. Yeah. We used to be, when I was working, have a big calculator on your desk. Those are fly specs. That was, that's fly poop. And it looks exactly like it, only it's a little bit larger on your house. And uh, if you're a perfectionist, actually, year after year, it's going to really show. Yeah. So... Yeah. And then with mulch too, um, a lot of people, you, you know, customers come in the store, um, or even, you know, you know, around our house too, uh, what Chelsea and I do is we take cedar mulch, we put it right around the found any beds around the foundation of our house. Cedar has a, the, the oils in cedar, yeah. they actually work as a natural insect repellent and it even like a, a rodent deterrent. Exactly. Uh, the mice ro- don't like it as much. They don't. And so preventing all of that just by putting down, I mean, it's not like the end all protection to put right. around the house, but it's at least helping. Mm-hmm. And then we do like the look of pine bark mulch. Yeah. Um, cause it's it a variation in color. So yeah. we'll do our beds a little bit farther from the house. We'll use pine bark mulch, yeah. but right up against the house, we use uh, natural cedar. Well, if, if I was a mouse and I had the choice between a real smelly cedar home and your neighbors, I would go to your neighbor's house, right? Right. They do not like the smell. As good as, good as it smells to us, it's just not, not their flavor. To each his own. Right. Great. So now we're in the beds and we've got the mulch down or even before that, you know, what about pruning? What plants can we, you know, work on in the spring? What should we work on? Do we, do we mulch then prune or is that, is that backwards? Well, I would definitely, let's say I had some evergreens, okay, and I didn't take care of them late in the fall, which you shouldn't because anything, anytime you prune, especially, I'm going to say from, you shouldn't prune in the summertime because it's too dry and, and you shouldn't prune, let's say after September, because when you prune, uh, it, it generate it, it, it sends a message to the tree to start putting out new growth Mm -hmm. and that new growth can easily not become hardened off for enough for the winter so you'll have brown tips to it so you were smart to leave it until spring but now you want it to look nice i would go ahead and trim my hemlocks my arborvitaes whatever you'd like to prune around the house and then mulch you're skipping a step you don't have to clean up the, the 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 trimmings uh, and you're mulching over them, they're going to become fertilizer. No one's going to know but you, and you're going to have an extra hour or two to go fishing. Hey, and, and right around the corner is the opening day of fishing season. That's right. It's coming yeah. up. It's a pretty good week we got going up here. <laughs> what plants should we prune, okay, and what plants yeah. should we not prune this spring? Pruning is always a dilemma. I mean, you're afraid to prune too much when you probably should prune too much. Mm-hmm. Um, what plants to prune when that's, that's vital for the flowering and that you, uh, if it doesn't flower, you know, just don't, don't, don't prune it in or trim it in the fall, uh, fall or the dead of summer. Gotcha. Um, except <laughs> it's always, <laughs> always, an always basic rule of thumb. Okay. Plants that flower in springtime. Uh huh. Before the summer solstice, you know, the, you know what the summer solstice is? June twentieth, around there. Yeah, around there. That's okay. when it's a, a twelve-hour day, twelve-hour night. That's the longest daylight day time of the, of the year. Now, plants have over millions of years used the sun, among other things, 
to uh, tell them when to do certain things because they don't have watches, right? Mm -hmm. And that is one of the main triggers for flowering plants. Um, so if you pruned, uh, for instance, rhododendrons now or in the fall, uh, you would be cutting off a lot of the flower buds. And the flower buds are always those large thumb-sized buds and yeah. the, the smaller ones are for the leaves. Um, so you want to prune rhododendrons after they flower, azaleas too. Um, roses, you can prune now, right now. You can cut them in half because they're going to grow. It's best, not, it's best to leave them until after the dead of winter because there can be some dieback. Okay. And you can also shape the rose. Now, there are a number of books out there. There's, there's stuff on the internet that'll tell you how to do this. It's, it, it would take all day to explain it. Mm -hmm. um, it's a seminar in itself. But uh, basic rule of thumb, if it flowers before the 4th of July, um, then you want to prune it after the 4th or, or at, at the equinox before the 4th of July. Gotcha. Right after it flowers, okay? So spring flowers, let them flower. Let them flower, and then you can go to work on them. Okay. The uh, f stuff like viburnum, mm -hmm. rose of Sharon, um, that flower after the 4th of July. And there are fewer and farther uh, between plants that do that, although they're becoming more and more popular. Some of the sp uh, spireas and whatever. Uh, you want to prune those in early spring. For instance, I did all my spireas in early spring. Mm -hmm. They're going to flower on new wood. It all depends on what last year's growth or this year's growth that they flower on. That's And you have to know the plant and know what it does. But this is the basic rule. The, that if it flowers after the 4th of July, well, you're not going to prune it bef while those flower buds are being formed. Right. So a lot of your... Uh, a lot of your uh, well, hydrangeas are an animal all themselves. We're going to take the macrophylla, those big blue flowers that everybody has a problem with that always they want. We're going to take those out of the picture for the type. We're going to talk about those separately. Okay. But the, the Annabelle types of hydrangeas, the, uh, the vine hydrangeas, the climbing hydrangeas, yep. the paniculatas, um, those can be really hacked back now. They're going to grow two, three feet. And then they're going to flower in the fall. You can do those now. Okay. Feel free to do those now. I've done them all already. I've done my f summer flowering uh, uh, spireas, the mm -hmm. bilmoldus. I've done those already. And you can cut those literally in half uh, because they're going to produce a lot of growth. The macrophylla hydrangeas, the big leaf hydrangeas, the big blue flowers, whatever. Well, you can't... You can't prune them in fall because they've already formed the buds that are going to produce flowers, early spring flowers. Mm -hmm. And you want, the, the trick is to preserve those through the winter. So you, you'll, you'll see people putting uh, wire corrals around them, filling with leaves. You should go all the way to the top because that's where the... <laughs> yeah, lesson learned, lesson learned. <laughs> well, we'll see what yeah. happens, but it's been pretty cold this winter. Yeah, but actually, could you share that? That was like one thing, and this is really for people to take, keep in mind for this upcoming winter, is we went through and we wrapped it and we tried to get it like up over just the sides of the hydrangea. And our mm -hmm. thought was, oh, we'll just, we don't want to put like a canvas over the top. 
because if it snows, it's going to pull all the branches down and break them, mm-hmm. which our, our method was completely off. Can you share with us like how you do it real quick? Sure. There's two ways of doing it. Um, what you want to do in reality is to try to, we're a zone five up here uh, as far as coldness is concerned. Mm-hmm. And uh, these hydrangeas will do well in zone six and seven, which is our coastline down through Rhode Island. And the Cape is zone seven. That's why the Cape is hydrangea heaven. Yeah, And uh, it's similar to what Maryland might have or New Jersey might have for uh, an environment. So what you want to do, there's two ways of doing it. One, you can wrap the whole plant at like a little mummy in burlap from top to bottom. This helps. It's a, while, while Halloween is a little bit early to have wrapped them, you want to probably wait until after Thanksgiving when the ground has really uh, frozen so you don't get varmints in there. Uh, okay. They'll nest inside and then they'll eat the, the plant. Yep. Uh, so you can completely cover them and wrap them in uh, a breathable fabric. Okay, that's like a burlap. Bur- or burlap something. is perfect. Yeah, yeah. A couple layers of that, or you can build a corral um, out of uh, wire that extends up as high as the plant is, and then fill that with leaves once the uh, once once the ground is frozen, because that's a that's a real mouse ha- heaven in there. Okay. Um, but you, if you need to, uh, you've got the structure of the uh, of, of the corral. You can put a piece of of, of, of burlap over that, and gotcha. then tie that down so that it doesn't go away. Gotcha. And then in the spring, you, you pull that corral away. You can do it now. Yeah. Do you have to do you have to dig out all those leaves? Well, you're going to go over it with your mower, like I did. The other, yes, that's that's what it is. And you take take the leaves out. Yeah. Because the the zone five winter has gone by right now and yeah. we're as cold as the shoreline is this is not the it's the 20 degrees it's the zero degrees that you have to worry about gotcha yeah gotcha yeah. and you can, and you can see it you can see which buds they're green now the the ones that are gone are kind of brown and yeah kind of sort of they've seen their day and then you know it's going to flower from the root system whether you did a good job or not the thing is you won't you'll get a nice plant but not the spring flowers now if it is some of the new varieties that have been out for the last 10 years they're reblooming hydrangeas they they're almost a miracle as far as hydrangea growth is concerned <laughs> endless summer and, and and a lot of the pw new hydrangeas yeah uh they will flower on new wood also but the flowers won't be as big so you'll get some flowers in the summertime you know but you won't get the big first blooms in june which everybody goes for you know mm-hmm and the old hydrangeas never worse forgiving as the new hydrangeas that are out there. No. Nope. Nico Blues. It was. It's something that uh, 20 years ago, Nico Blue hydrangea, which is the old type of hydrangea that yeah. flowered only on old wood, was the standard. And now very few Nico Blue hydrangeas are sold anywhere. Yeah, it's all about the endless summer, huh? Endless summer, PW, yeah. Yeah. They're, I mean, they're, they're amazing plants. I, I love them. Actually, yeah. I saw there's one house I love, and... They have this really long white picket fence, yeah. and they planted their hydrangeas multiple. I mean, they must have six, seven plants up along the fence, yeah. and the hydrangea grows through, and uh-huh. then the flowers bloom on the other side of oh, the fence. Cool. It looks awesome. It, yeah. it's, it's awesome. Um, so anyway, what, so what about planting? So now, I mean, now other than pruning, now we have an appetite to get some plants in the garden. Yeah. Is it is it too early to get planting, or, or where are we at with the timing? For I think so. Okay. But before we go to that, can I say something sure. about fruit trees and, and, and shrubs? Uh, oh, yeah. Yep. You know, berry bushes. 
Um, those those should probably should have been done already. In the fall? Uh, in the winter. Late oh, winter, okay. February, March. I mean, look at all the orchards. That's when they do all their trees because, well, they have the time, but also um, that's a good time to do that. Uh, as to how and what to cut, you really have to know. You should know what you're doing. I mean, there are some plants that will tell you what to cut. There's a, There are new raspberries out, uh, bushel and... Uh, uh, see bushel and barrel i think it is mm-hmm. um they have the the plants are so unique they tell you it's they're almost the plants will tell you what to, to prune yeah and uh i mean if, I, if I, i'm going to i'm going to purchase a number of the the red raspberries they're thornless so that my grandchildren don't don't get scratched, okay? Although, you know, it's like a rose. Should it be a ro- called a rose if it doesn't have a thorn because of the the, imp- the, the the philosophical implications? You have the beauty and then you have uh, the, okay. the, you know, you can't have the beauty without the hurt. Okay? Right. Every rose has a thorn. There you go. <laughs> uh, so same thing with raspberries. If you want the nice, and they're very good tasting red raspberries, yeah. uh, but they don't have thorns. And uh, they have blackberries the same way. But anyway, that that's it. those are the you really should with fruit trees and with berry bushes. Look it up on the internet or in a book, and uh, give it a try. Okay, you screw it up once a year. In the first year, you're going to be better. The second year, you got to take gardening a little by little. You can't. It's 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 a lifestyle. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, I mean, we even talked when we were doing another episode. There is trial and error to it. If you do something wrong, most of it. Within a season, you can correct it or take another approach to it. Um, but, you know, you learn as you go, and that's the experiment. And that's right. That's why the best gardeners are old gardeners, because they've made all the mistakes already. I know. That's why I couldn't do this podcast without you. I'm, <laughs> I'm more the curious, and you're the wisdom. And, and, and I'm still learning. Let me tell yeah. you. you know, I make mistakes on purpose, so, just so I'll come up with something new. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so where were we? When to, when so, to plant? Yeah, when to plant. Okay. Uh, are we, yeah, what can we plant now? Should we plant now? Okay. If the soil is squishy, it's mighty risky. Okay. That's the one mantra that you can, you can take home with you. Okay. You know, if it's, if, if it hasn't thawed out yet, you can plant uh, like a shrub in a pot. Uh, basically, uh, when you can work the soil. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, um, there are plants for instance, like pansies, they're available now at garden centers. Yep, those can go out. I planted mine, uh, yeah. at least half of mine. The one one of one of my pots was frozen solid, so I had to put that off, put it in the sun. But yes, I planted my pansies already. Yeah, coal crops like uh, the, the, the the seeds for and and even plants for broccoli, uh, Brussels sprouts. Uh, uh, let me see, cabbage. Can be put out now because they're f- pretty much frost resistant. Okay, they're not freeze resistant. I'm still looking at those 29 degree temperatures and holding off. So yeah, but by buying now and holding them for a couple of weeks is not going to hurt you if you put them in the window inside, mm-hmm. um, because you want the varieties that that are available. Yeah, and, I mean that's the thing, right? It's a crop. I mean, you we can't if uh, you know, let's say lettuce is super popular, the growers. They grow to what they expect and predict for the year. Right. And then if, um, actually, sometimes our pansy season will miss the whole season because uh, last year we had snow so late that people couldn't get to the ground to plant them. Right. So a lot of that, you kind of missed pansy season altogether because they don't do well in the warmer weather. Mm-hmm. And 
so anyway, the growers are preparing for you know what they expect. So you know, going to the garden center when the plants are available, mm-hmm. you know, always recommend go ahead and shop them. You do have to take them home. A lot of them will continue to live in the containers. We, you know, care for them every day in the containers at the store, right. um, and you know, throughout the duration of the season. But the availability becomes slimmer and slimmer. You know, even now pansies are 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 starting to slim out from you know what the growers have available mm-hmm. and now they're moving on to their next crop right um so you know that is one thing if you're going out you have a specific idea of what you want and maybe something a little bit more unique you know go to the garden center early and you can go take it home take care of it you mm-hmm. know and leave it in the container exactly yeah. um i bought a persimmon uh for example from my uh, uh from my former employee employer mm-hmm. and uh it, it, it's a great persimmon my gosh, it's called Meter. It was developed in the uh, in New Hampshire, and it's an American persimmon. It's a native. Now I don't know if you persimmon is a, a not a normally thought of fruit around here. Okay, in California it is, but it's a very unique custardly custardy plant that it's very bitter when it's before the frost in the fall. You have to actually let it get frozen in order mm-hmm. for it to become tasteful. Uh, but I've been looking at this persimmon. Trouble is, there, there was the persimmons always needed two, and I don't have the room for two. But this one is self-pollinating, oh. so I only need one. I'm very excited about this. But I purchased it, and uh, it's out in my yard in the pot. It got rained on. It, there's no buds. There's no flowers. Whatever. And I'm going to whenever the soil is ready, I'm going to plant it. But I'm in no hurry. You got to remember that the last killing frost in Connecticut is about May the 15th. So we've got a long way to go. We've got over a month uh, before we can safely put anything in the ground that is tender. I always caution everybody watch it through Mother's Day or Memorial Day. Watch yeah. it through Memorial Day. We can always get that late frost. You know, we've, we've had it before yep. where everybody's got everything in the ground. It looks great. And then all of a sudden, weather changes and we get that you know, late May frost. And you don't want to, you know, lose all that work you did during the month of May. Exactly. So. You can you can take you can take the chance. If you're a gambling man, you yeah. can go out and put your tomatoes on. You can put the, the coverings over them. You can spend extra money. Or you can wait two weeks and actually on Memorial Day, go out and, and honor about Memorial Day. It doesn't have to be on Memorial Day weekend. You want to have a picnic. You want to go to, to the shoreline. I don't know. Yeah, but you don't want to be planning. You don't want to be a slave to your garden. So no, I mean you can get going. You just have or be ready for having that backup plan of using like a you know we have the Harvest Guard uh, frost cloths. Um, you can throw on there mm-hmm. um, just in case. Right. Um, and, and once you have that, you can always roll it up and use it year after year. Exactly. But um, yeah, just you know pay attention. You know through Memorial Day right. if you get if you get going the world it's hard it's hard to wait sometimes but you know it, the, 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 and, and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't if you plant early remember a tomato a pepper any of those those type of plants that we know and love yeah. are not going to develop the roots aren't going to develop until the soil is 55 degrees so i was going to ask you that what about soil temp? is it more of a concern of the frost threat or is soil temp also a concern? well before the, four, the the 15th of may it, it is frost Mm-hmm. After the 15th is what's the soil doing? It'll stagnate. You might as well keep it inside in a pot. It'll grow faster. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, we have a tendency if we grow from seed inside to plant them in March and they're about <laughs> two feet tall and lanky, then we have to get them out. Yeah. But uh, the soil has to be 55 degrees. Buy a thermometer, you know, they, 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 a probe thermometer that you might use for 
Use, use the one that you use for your steaks uh, on the grill. Put it in the ground. See what the temperature is. Yeah. If it's close, go ahead. Yeah, you know, a, uh, a little hack that uh, someone told me is I look at the, the ocean temperatures, and like right now we're at 43 degrees right. in Long Island Sound, and uh, I think New London's a little bit colder than New Haven. Mm-hmm. Um, but you watch that, and that's a good gauge of like where our soil temperature's at. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, and there, there's a forecast for it of like where the ocean temps should be, but by Mother's Day, like that May, I think it's May 12th this year. Yeah, um, we should be cruising at like 55 degrees soil temp. You know, I assume, you know, you plant something, it's not gonna, you know, a plant that's coming out of a pot or a heated greenhouse probably isn't gonna like that too much if it's colder right. than 55. Well, fortunately, there are plants, garden plants, tomatoes, peppers available at the garden center through, you know into july the first of july Mm -hmm. so if if clint eastwood would say hey you're feeling lucky (laughs) you put it in it dies well you're just going to buy them again it's a small investment really but you're starting again chancing it a little bit yeah so we get the garden ready um you know mulched over and everything and the landscape around the house yeah Yeah. what about the lawn well what what should we be doing now for the lawn you know what anything we shouldn't do or it's 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 early April right okay. now, okay. Yep. And I've just cleared up my leaves a little bit and I the ran over the the lawn dried out pretty nicely. I'm very happy with it. So we ran over the, all the sticks and the tendency now the first warm weekend is to rake the thatch out of your lawn or rake up the sticks. Oh, I got to get rid of it. Okay. Do you know anybody who's done that? I you know in the past I have. Yes. I'm guilty guilty and you know what i did two years ago okay but you can spend a saturday afternoon or saturday depending on how big your lawn is raking the thatch out of your lawn or picking up the sticks with a rake or you can go golfing or fishing or something like that and i'd much rather do the latter the danger with raking the lawn is you're disturbing the soil and most of the weed seeds like crabgrass for example don't germinate unless they're exposed to light. What do you do when you rake? You're disturbing the soil, exposing those thousands, and there are literally thousands and thousands and thousands of crabgrass seeds to the light. And what you're doing is perpetuating your weed problem, okay? When, and usually thatch is an indicator of what's called dead soil. Normally good living soil has a lot of microorganisms in there, bacteria, fungi, insects that break down the thatch. Um, so uh, even I use a mulching more which takes all the, the, sh- the, the clippings and puts it back into the soil. It, it, but it's specially designed, the blade and the housing are designed to chop it up a couple of times so it's very, very tiny powder. And in a couple of days, it's all gone away because of the living soil, okay? A lot of people will bag it. Certainly, if you, if you didn't put a bagger on and you had a, a side, uh, what is it, a side exhaust or mower, yeah. you get those little piles of shaving, of, of grass clippings. And yeah. they're unsightly, and I understand. But um, I'm using my, my shavings as fertilizer. Yeah. It, there's a, I mean, I think there's a couple of reasons people do it. One, you know, they don't like seeing that pile of the, grass clippings they don't want to bring it in the house yeah there's that um also you know sometimes it's hard especially come late april early may if the grass is growing very fast and keeping up with it right you're working all week you know maybe you don't have time on the weekend 
and you let you let it go two weeks when you really should be cutting you know even less than a week and sometimes the piles get pretty big because you know ideally you're never cutting more than like a third off the blade um, that's that's the the ideal thing that's yeah. the ideal but it, you know sometimes it gets away from you and, and i can still understand bagging then but if you can keep up with it you're exactly right if you mow the grass and allow the grass clippings down the soil that's say that's the equivalent of putting down one bag of fertilizer mm-hmm. and and I, I think you brought up a great point about the condition of the soil and the activity of the microorganisms in the soil the life in the soil you know that's if i were to share you know my number one recommendation this time of the year is to get that soil ready because then when that grass comes out of dormancy you know it's going to be hungry and it's going to be looking for all its nutrients right and you can do things to your soil to make to maximize the availability of nutrients and now we think of like the you know what are the macronutrients you know the the three big ones that the plants needs you know nitrogen nitrogen phosphorus potassium right um, and that's what comes in a fertilizer bag actually most fertilizers now are just nitrogen and potassium um, and that's for for good environmental reasons but there's a whole bunch of other nutrients uh, the micronutrients and it's like they, the plants need a, a little bit of a lot of other different things and those just are naturally present in the soil and the way we make those more available is we get those microorganisms feeding on the organic matter in the soil and the byproduct of that is all these other nutrients mm-hmm. and you want to get that activity going right um, and the two things I would say is uh, there are soil conditioners you can buy, you know, uh, you know, combination of molasses and gypsum. You put it down, you know, probably the biggest one out there is Jonathan Green's Love Your Soil. Right. And I mean, that's what it's doing. It's just getting those microbes working. The molasses or the sugars that the microorganisms feed on in the soil gets them going. Um, also, the gypsum in it, like, loosens up compaction in the soil, allows water and air to flow through and get to the plants. But when I have people ask me, you know, what's the one thing I can do this spring? Mm-hmm. I say, you know, put down a fast-acting uh, calcium or, or lime product, right? And a, right. the whole goal of the lime is to get calcium into the soil. And what the calcium does is it bonds with the hydrogen and takes that hydrogen out of the soil. It reduces the concentration. It re- regulates the pH in the soil. Exactly. And if it's too high, which tends to, to happen, or too low, excuse me, tends to get acidic, the, the grass can't pick up the nutrients that are available in the soil as well as if it's you know six or six and a half or seven right which is neutral and even you know let's say um you know when the forsythia bloom you put down your first bag of crap of uh fertilizer Uh usually has a crabgrass preventer and a weed pre-emergent in it in a conventional uh application yes yes in in uh you know the typical one we see out there today um that hydrogen will also bond with the nutrients in your fertilizer and if you even if you go from so let's say perfectly neutral is a seven Mm -hmm. and usually our lawns the ideal place is to be between six and a half and seven if we get as low as six in the lawn we're going to lose up to 20 percent effectiveness of that fertilizer so you spend on a a big bag of fertilizer so fifteen thousand square feet you spend 50 bucks on average probably for that first bag you're losing 10 bucks just by not yeah. you know, putting down some sort of lime in the spring. And, and a fast-acting calcium product or a fast-acting lime, uh, it's more water-soluble. So it works in as little as two weeks with some products. Others is three to four. But still, so much better than what we traditionally use, the powdered and pelletized lime, 
uh, which still works. It just takes about four months for that limestone to break down. Right. I mean, in, in, in the olden days, back uh, in the last century, uh, before America, uh, what's the name of it again? Magical. Magical. I always want to call it a miracle. A miracle. It is a miracle. Two weeks is pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> you would put down lime every year because it took so long to break down. And, and, and but uh, now this stuff is 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 really good. And yeah, uh, or we, you would put it down in the fall even. Oh yeah. So that it would have the winter to break down, and by the spring, your soil is in a good place. Exactly. Exactly. But now now we can cheat a little bit, and it's early April, and we still got a solution there. So. Ah, the miracle of uh, invention, huh? Right. Oh man, it is definitely, uh, and it's natural too, right? Like it's not. Yeah. It's not. You know, it's 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 processed a little differently but still it's it's yeah. lime yeah yeah just calcium the other thing that i recommend and uh, it, it's so hard to convince people that uh, this will work uh, of course i'm an organic gardener okay mm-hmm. even if you did nothing to your lawn okay nothing no fertilizer nothing uh you would have an organic lawn i just want to bring that up however it would be spotty <laughs> but you would have an organic lawn is to is but you want to get rid of those spots because they're going to generate weeds there's always seed out there so you want to have a little competition a little competition is good for the soul and good friendly for the competition well yeah friendly yeah yeah, yeah, yeah okay <laughs> <laughs> uh is to plant an annual ryegrass now this is usually the construction mix or what does jonathan green have what is they call called? it a fast grow uh, but a contractor's mix is usually anything labeled contractor's mix uh, has an annual in it. Yeah, and what this does, but they'll always have a little perennial grass in there. But yep. what the, what it does is it puts up grass, and it's a cold weather grass. So now's a perfect time to put that out. Um, and all you do is have to just run over your lawn at at the recommended rate. And as we learned, uh, the less is better than more. Remember yep. uh, yep. when we. Had for the, the podcast. grass seed not to com, uh, compete with itself. With itself, yeah. correct. Uh, Steve from uh, Steve Ratcliffe from uh, University of Connecticut. Yeah, and yeah. we're learning a lot from these podcasts. We are. <laughs> anyway, uh, go ahead and put on the annual ryegrass now, and what it'll do is it'll sprout early. You'll 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 have uh, the patches of, of dirt that are, if they are exposed, or if you have a, a thin lawn, it will fill in there. And it will shade out the weed growth. Now, if you keep doing this, and it's, it's fairly inexpensive for this for the annual uh, ryegrass. Yep. Okay, it's a little coarser. If if you want perfection, then you're gonna have to pay somebody to do this. But uh, that is uh, a perfect way to reduce the weeds and to fill in your lawn. Then in the fall, that's when you can put the expensive perennial grass in Jonathan Green's uh, uh, Black Beauty. Yep, yeah. Black Beauty Plus now, I guess. Or the Ultra, yeah. Ultra, yeah, Yeah. Ultra. God, I'm a fan of Black Beauty. But this stuff uh, will establish itself. The roots go feet into the ground it's just tremendous you you don't have you don't have to worry about drying out as much they have bacteria that actually naturally grow in the leaves so it reduces uh insect and uh grass diseases yeah i'll tell you what it's come a long way since the last century yeah Yeah. well it took jonathan green almost a century to come up with it that's right so uh but yeah so that's actually i mean it ties right into your point you brought in earlier right when we're the weed seeds need light 
in -hmm. order to germinate. Most of them do. So when you put in that competition of the annual ryegrass, it germinates quickly, um, germinates early in the colder temperatures, then you've prevented the weed seeds from getting that light, getting that warmer soil, because the crabgrass does need 55 degrees to germinate. Mm -hmm. Um, And that way, you're preventing them from germinate in a, in a natural way. Right. You know, we use the most common thing put out there is, you know, the step one of the four step fertilizer program or that first, usually a blue bag is a fertilizer bag plus a pre-emergent and uh, which work and are, are great products. Um, but the natural alternative is to using this annual ryegrass. Right. And you don't want to use both because the weed preventer will also prevent the seed, seed the grass from, seed from, grass growing. from growing. Yeah. yeah. So if you're putting that down, I wouldn't recommend planting grass this spring. I'd wait until the fall, which is the best time anyway. Or if you've already put it down. I mean, yeah, you can go to step two because that's got some uh, weed preventer in there too, isn't it? That's a that's an herbicide. That's a weed. That's an herbicide. That's, that, so. that is a dark yeah. weed killer. Right. And then yeah. you don't want your kids running around their bare feet. No. As long after it rains in, you get a good rain, then those are safe. But okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, no, no, no. Other, otherwise, we'll, we'll use lens more natural approach. Anyway, there's one other thing that I'd like to add to that is clover. Yeah, now a lot of people don't like those white flowers, and there's a new clover coming out called the micro clover that has uh, been incorporated into sod uh, from, from on the professional end. Yeah, not available in retail yet, not available in retail, but it's coming to a, a Mackey's near you. It, it will be when, when once it's available. Yeah, it, but the, now we have the white clover, uh, the Dutch clover, and I regularly will get a bag that's seed is extremely small and, and then scatter it where where the grass is even it, it, the where the soil is not allowing the grass to really grow. Now, the nice thing about clover is it, it grows where grass doesn't. Mm-hmm. It spreads to where uh, it hasn't been last year, uh, and it attracts the pollinators that we all love and cherish. And if you think walking, through, I mean, okay, I understand if you're allergic to, to to bees and you don't want to get stung because you'll have a, a go into shock. I yeah. understand, uh, but if you're not, it's just a wonderful thing to add to your lawn before the. Back in the old century, in the 1960s, uh, clover was part of the, the lawn seed package. When you when you planted grass seed, you planted clover too. Yeah. And then when uh, commercial herbicides became more profitable, uh, of course, the the broadleaf uh, weeds like clover yeah. were eliminated. So, but you know what, clover's great for it, especially. Um, you know, we had somebody the other day who was. They have in their lawn, there's an area. I always think of like the Disneyland effect, right? Where up near the house, you keep it all, you know, perfect and nicely manicured. But as it gets farther away, you know, on uh, Main Street in uh, Disneyland, yep. you know, you see a bank. And then as you get up close, you realize it's a janitor's closet. You know, <laughs> so in your lawn, it's the same thing. So, you know, up around the house, you make it look nice, you put the extra care there. Mm-hmm. You know, as you get farther away, and, and a lot of people in eastern Connecticut, we have larger lawns. So he had a, a piece of land where the soil wasn't that great, but he put down clover as a ground cover because one, he doesn't have to go out and mow it. Yeah. And then two, it's three pounds does 15,000 square feet. Yeah. So yeah. the coverage is great. Yep. And he's helping the pollinators. Exactly. I, I, and I have uh, raised beds in the, in the back 40. I have raised beds and also containers, but there's grasses and stuff that I allow to grow in between. Well, I'll put clover out there so I get plenty of flowers to attract the pollinators to increase my production in the garden. Uh, you got to think of those things. Put them to work. Yeah. 
put them to work. Cool. So we're get we're going on the lawn now. We get the the mulch beds ready. Um, we did talk a little bit about you know the plants that are uh, you know coming available next week. You know, being the second week of April. Yeah. We do have trees and shrubs uh, mm-hmm. arriving. Should we recap that and go more into like what plants should we be looking? Can we plant trees and shrubs? Oh yeah, in April. Okay. If the soil is not squishy, uh, the, the, a damp soil, a wet soil is not going to do you any good, because if we do get any freezing, it's actually going to pull push that plant right out of the place that you planted it. Uh, okay. Um, especially the smaller um, plants. Um, but as soon as the soil can be general rule, if the soil is friable enough to to work. Yeah. If it's not frozen, sure, you can go ahead. I could plant that persimmon right now, but I just it's not on my priority list because I know I can wait. So if you if you have uh, an area that probably you prepared last spring, uh, last fall, yeah, go ahead and 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 look at shrubs, uh, especially at Mackey's. Uh, you buy from a local grower, which is very wise uh because the, they are already acclimated to our winters it's they've been growing in that nursery for a couple of years and uh it's like uh you know they're hardier let's face it the new england's are new englanders are hardier uh, the guys from uh, florida are not going to do so well in the winter and when you spend 50 60 bucks on a plant you want to make sure that you're getting the best bang for your buck, and yeah. one of the insurance, one of the best insurances is to buy that from a local garden center like Mackey's, who buys it from a local garden center. I mean, a local uh, grower. Yeah, and for the, for the plants that are you know acclimated to this climate, right? Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. 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 So then now, now that we're planning, you know, our landscape uh, and you know what plants to put in the landscape for the for the spring and summer here, what are some tips as we work through that decision making okay well basically uh with perennials and annuals whatever when they're available at your local garden center then it's pretty pretty safe to say that you can plant them or very soon after that plant them mm-hmm. um uh, those are the soft tissue plants but the biggest mistake and, and it's only natural um, because everything else we buy, when you buy a car, you you look to see the car that you like, and you you study it, and it's got good gas mileage, and you you like the color and whatever. Well, it's not it's not the same with living things, uh, like in the garden. Mm-hmm. Um, what as with all living things, there are certain places that they like to grow and where they don't like to grow, and maybe the Maybe the plant that you've chosen, that shiny red flowering rose that's just glimmering and catching your eye. It's actually talked to you several times as you walked by it. And you want that rose in the worst way, but you don't have a sunny, dry, well-drained spot to put it. Then you're going to kill that rose slowly over the next years. You're not going to be satisfied with it. And it's it's going to end up to be a love-hate relationship it's Mm. going to hate you and you're going to still love it and then finally you're going to pull it out or you're going to waste a lot of money on insecticides and pesticides to keep it alive or try to keep it alive the ideal thing to do is to have the spot that you want to plant okay maybe you lost the plant or something like that for whatever reason Okay, this is where I want take notes, okay? It's on the south side of my house. It's 
got a well-drained or maybe it's got damp uh, soil. Um, all those, as much as you can, full sun, part shade, uh, and then bring that to the garden center because the garden center has a variety of plants that will grow in any condition, any condition. It may not be that beautiful, shiny red rose that you looked at over there, but there is something that is very nice that will successfully grow yeah. uh, in that spot. And this is in the end, if uh, the biggest complaint in gardening is that, you know, I planted, I, it died, I can't get the thing to grow, and I'm, you're buying pesticide and fertilizer and whatever to, to try to nurse this thing along. Well, you won't have to do that if you put it in the right spot to begin with. And it may, it may not uh, be what you dreamed of, but it'll be a close second. There's a lot out there, and the trained nursery staff can help you with that. Yeah, yeah, and, and it even, it just helps and, and helps you prepare because even, you know, anytime, you know, I talk to, you know, Aaron and JB in the garden centers, the first question they ask, all right, what's the sun exposure? How's the soil? Exactly. And so if you already know that and if, you know, make that observation before you leave the house, mm-hmm. um, it'll be a huge help. And also, you know, you walk in, you see everything, right? And it's like, oh man, like, right. how do I choose between them? And, and any sort of decision making like that for me, you know, I, I just find a way to say, okay, how can I start simplifying this decision? And if you know, all right, I'm limited, I can't pick up the house and move it or turn it around. So I'm, I'm pretty limited in, in what that condition is going to be. Right. So then start from there. And then you can really get into, okay, these are the ones, these are my options or what, what are going to do well. And and then you can, you know, play your taste from there. Right. And, and, and don't be afraid to ask the questions. If you don't know exactly what the plant requirements are and that they're going to match the space, ask the question because uh, the guys and gals out in the garden center are just chomping at the bit to, to help you. I mean, this plants are in their blood. Oh, yeah. You know, it's it's... Even in the winter time, you got to put a halter on them just to keep them down. You know, from talking about it, they're they're raring to go. Like at, at this point in the year, they're firing also. I, you know, I would even say as early as early February. They're yeah. they're thinking of, you know, this actually. They, you know, they start the plant selection in the early fall, and they're working and preparing on all winter and just getting ready for this. You know, it's like the NFL season's only sixteen games, and. You know, it's such a, it's a short season, but they're they're preparing all year, right. and they're super excited. And, and what they love most is answering people's questions, helping yep. people go home and be successful. And you know that that's the ultimate reward for them. I mean, I, JB will actually take. You know, some customer will come. I've seen him do this. Uh, hey, the customer has a vision of what they want for basically the front of their house yeah okay so he'll ask what's the space you know show me how long how how long a space how big a space do we have to plant and now he'll take the plants out of the garden center that you know that the customer has likes and he'll actually put them out there in in threes and fives but never ones well maybe there was a specimen plant that's a number one and so the whole front of the house is there for the customer to imagine and that's very satisfying for both him and the customer oh yeah everything's spaced out so the biggest the 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 biggest lesson for spring planting is uh, the right plant for the right space and pick the space first excellent well, there we go. So there's our, our do's and don'ts and, and tips to get going this spring. 
you know, let's just keep in mind, you know, you learn as you go or you learn as you grow. There we go. Oh, I like oh, that. Keeping that one. And, uh, you know, not to get overwhelmed, you know, you, you take it day by day, do a little at a time and not try to do it all at once. And which is always easier said than done. But right. But try to, avoid, I mean, do a little bit at a time because you're going to enjoy life. You're going to enjoy your family. You're going to enjoy your weekends. If you, if you decide if now we've given you some great excuses, if you don't have to rake your lawn, you can go golfing. You can go fishing on that Saturday. It's something you don't have to do. And if, the wife doesn't agree with you or if the husband doesn't agree with you send them down the mackies we'll talk them into it yeah we'll get them going (laughs) awesome so you know len i did want to bring up one other thing before we close here um we actually have a fan stop it yep yep she uh she texted me and uh her name's emily curry she's from columbia and she's listened to the majority of our podcast Uh and loves them um but also you know it's very exciting year for her her and her fiance michael are they're getting married in June. Um, cool. So my whole family will be in attendance uh, and very excited for her. So, um, you know, just wanted to give a shout out to her as I think our first claimed official fan. Wow. Yeah. So, there must be some award for that. Yeah. I, I You know, we'll, we'll make sure she has a good wedding gift. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but also, you know, anybody else who has a, you know, any of you have a, a question or uh, something you want us to look into or sure. are curious about, you know, shoot us an email. It's just podcast at MackieZinc.com. That's uh, P-O-D-C-A-S-T at MackieZinc.com. So M-A-C-K-E-Y-S-I-N-C.com. And, uh, you know, we'd love to, you know, yeah. keep looking at stuff. No holes and, barred, whatever you saw in your mind. Yeah, yeah. And Even how to keep marriages together. Uh, we could do anything, really. I think a healthy garden usually leads to a healthy marriage. I don't know, something <laughs> like that. There's got to be something. So, great. Well, then... Uh, thanks again for all all the info today and oh, thanks for till the next episode you bet thank you all for listening for notes from this episode visit the podcast section of our website at mackeysgrows.com also we'd love to hear your topic ideas or questions so drop us a line through our website's contact page if you found the information in this podcast useful or simply just enjoyed our chat we truly appreciate it if you could leave a rating and review on your preferred listening app. It helps share our show with others and lets us know to keep working hard. Thanks again, and remember, where that is and what you love, that's home. Mackey's, where the home grows. <laughs>